0: A Japan Airlines cargo DC-8 is on its way to Japan from Alaska with some cows, and they crash right after takeoff. What caused this flight to end before it could even begin?
1: Welcome back to the Hard Landings Podcast, everybody. I'm Nick.
0: I'm Miranda. And I'm Christy. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Hello.
2: We don't have much for you. Because no. Because guess what? We recorded yesterday. We recorded yesterday. <laughs> no new patrons. No. Feel free to check out the newsletter. Feel free to check out Patreon stuff. As always, if you'd like to get the newsletter, there's a sign up on the main page of our website. As yep. As well as there a sign up for ducks. Yes. So feel free to do that. Also listener stories. We got I think one since we asked. So I mean we need to record the one for October. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have recorded that. It's ready to be recorded, but it's not recorded yet.
1: We have so many. Uh,
2: and then we have half of the one for November. So November's might be November, December. Yeah. Just because we don't have it quite enough for a full episode. We it's need okay. like ten stories ish for a full episode. God, we're sure. a mess. Anyway, we're anyway getting there. So if you'd like to submit your stories, go ahead and do that.
1: Keep throwing recommendations at us. We are twenty four Five by the time this one comes Comes out, out. 25 short of one year out from where we are. So we're actually creeping. We have less recommendations than we've had in like two years.
2: Yeah. And I think it's because people are like, okay, we'll cool it because we said to cool it. And now I'm like,
1: And now we're like, wait, give us more. Also,
2: (laughs) part of it's because we screwed up.
1: (laughs) There is that. The duplicates. And and also, I understand, like, we've done a lot of the big ones. So, like, what now? But. Believe me, there's always more. There is always more. There's always if, some really interesting ones. If
0: for whatever reason we stop getting recommendations, we still have the randomizing tool, which will present us with the little known ones, so.
1: Yes. And some of those are really interesting, but there are a couple of ones that are still out there that have yet to be recommended that I'm surprised,
0: honestly. Have we covered the big Japan Airlines one? Yes.
1: Yeah, we did. I we did that one. Speaking
2: I speaking of. Out, just don't
1: remember.
0: Speaking of Japan Airlines.
1: Yes. That.
0: Ask your question. What about Japan Airlines?
1: Ask your daily question.
0: Oh, what are we covering today, Nick?
1: Today!
2: (laughs) You were supposed to... You were trying to segue, and I I definitely... it
1: up. We were trying to sago. I was trying
2: to <laughs> try the and I didn't realize you were covering Japan Airlines. That's my fault. The Sago. It didn't did not work. Work. <laughs> it didn't work. I'm
0: so sorry. That was gonna be such a good segue. And then and then it wasn't. And
1: I'm then, sorry. And then
2: I was like, what are you talking about? Japan Airlines. I don't understand.
1: Oh, <laughs> I'm glad you're in a good mood now because you're going to be real mad. Real, 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 real mad by the end of this episode.
0: I mean, it's nothing new. Mm. It At this point, it never is. Well, there <laughs> is one new really interesting thing anyway.
1: So what are we covering? The level of this one is pretty ridiculous. We are covering Japan Airlines 1045, 1045.
0: Technically, Japan Airlines Cargo. Cargo.
1: Correct. It is Japan Airlines Cargo Flight 1045.
0: Thank you to Sublight for recommending this episode.
1: Thanks, up late. Thank you. Talking about an airplane, we haven't talked about in a while. This is a Douglas DC-8. Oh it's wow, a, it has been a while since we covered it. How long has yep. it been? A minute. I can't even tell you what the last one was. To be honest, I know we've talked about them plenty of times. Suriname. Suriname. That's right. Yeah, that was a DC-8. Mm-hmm. Anyways, this is a DC-8, so four engines, single aisle normally, but this is cargo. So it's a DC-862AF. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that does not mean what you think it means. It does not. It does
2: not mean as.
1: No. (laughs) Great. What that really means is this is a DC 862, which is a shorter version of the DC8. It's one of the original versions of the DC8. Not the original, but an older version. A version, so it has older engines. F for freighter. Ah. Okay. Tail number was Juliet Alpha 8054. This was a charter flight from Grant County, Washington, also known these days as Moses Lake. We'll talk about that in a minute because it's kind of cool. To Anchorage, Alaska, to Tokyo, Japan. So Anchorage is just a stopover along the way. This airplane could not make it all the way from Moses Lake to Tokyo. So they Tokyo.
2: refuel in Alaska. Yes, which or is sure. very
1: normal even to this day. Oh, Alaska yeah. is a massive freighter hub because it is a cargo stopover from, you know, for across the Pacific because you simply just can't carry enough fuel when you are also carrying so much weight in cargo. Moses Lake in Washington is actually... Pretty well known in the aviation community now ever since the MAX crisis, we'll call it. Because while all this was going on, Boeing ran out of places to put their Maxes at their airfields in Seattle.
0: Sounds like a personal problem.
1: But they also have a facility at Moses Lake with a massive amount of tarmac. And if you look at the Google image of Moses Lake, there are still hundreds of them on the ramp. And that is primarily because... A lot of the Chinese operators of the 737 still have them there because mm-hmm. China still has not certified the MAX and probably won't. So Boeing is starting to get rid of them. That's a whole long story, okay. but.
0: I looked up the town. Where is the airport?
1: It is right there. Oh, I'm an idiot. It's massive. And when you look on the ramps, there are hundreds of MAXs. Oh, and you are not kidding. During the time. They look so neat. I know. They stack them all nice. <laughs> But during the middle of the whole max grounding thing and all through the middle of COVID, actually, during 2020 in particular, their ramps were full. They had run out of space, even at Moses Lake, to put maxes like that. It was bad. <laughs> Thankfully, the max has been recertified in most countries around the world.
0: Except China.
1: Except China, which is still one of the largest places in the world that has orders for them. So... There's a lot of them still sitting still, but most have managed to go about the world. So anyways, that's Moses Lake. At the time, it was known as Grant County, Washington. Okay, great. It's still called the Grant County International Airport, yeah. I think, which is weird. It's in the middle of Washington State, right smack in the middle.
0: It's a little off to the east from middle.
1: Not much, though. It's the most middleist town you can possibly have, basically. Captain for this flight is Hugh Marsh. He's 53 years old. At the time, he had 23,252 hours total. He's one of the more experienced captains we've ever talked about, of which 4,040 hours were on the DC-8. He was American.
2: Obviously, you don't have a last name like Marsh.
1: Or a first name like Hugh.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Without it being American.
1: Yeah. The first officer, on the other hand, was Kunihika Akitani.
2: Yeah, no, not... (laughs) most likely Japanese
1: wow how'd you guess (laughs) he's 31 years old he had 1,603 hours total of which 1,208 were on the DC-8 almost all of his hours all but 400 were on the DC-8 and not very many hours total the flight engineer was Nobumasa Yukakawa okay also Japanese 35 years old at the time, had 4,920 hours total, of which 2,757 hours were on the DC-8.
2: And when did this flight occur?
1: 1977. Okay.
2: I don't know if we actually said that. It was, but-
1: this was on January 13th of 1977.
2: Okay. That makes more sense because like, I try to put flight engineers into context. Yes. Because until about mid-2000s, mm-hmm. they used flight engineers and then they stopped. So. He is right. also referred to
0: as the second... Officer.
2: Yeah. Right, the
1: second officer. Sometimes
2: that happens on reports.
0: I refer to him as second officer most of the time I talk
1: about him. I still call him the flight engineer.
0: Okay, same guy. Okay, Yep. good to know.
1: This was a charter flight carrying 56 cattle. Wow. (laughs) Along with two cattle handlers from Washington to Japan.
2: I have a feeling, just a striking feeling, that they're not going to make it to Japan.
1: That's a pretty good guess. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all those cows going to be dead.
0: <laughs> I made the really poor joke that it probably smelled like steak. They're going to be ground beef.
1: A little more grounded than... <laughs> <laughs> than, normal. than normal.
2: There was a fire. and
1: I'm sorry. All this is really terrible.
2: Uh, yeah, it is horrible. I'm not saying that it's not bad. Nobody. So that's a lot of cows.
1: Nobody wished this upon anybody. That's a lot of cows for a DC-8. Imagine putting cows in a 737. That's the same thing.
0: Oh.
2: <laughs> That's a lot of cows.
1: The DC-8 is no wider than a 737.
0: Also, how do you make them stay? The, they were in pens. They're in pens. Oh. That were... They, just, have, hmm. they they were restricted from horizontal movement. Right. They could only move about like within their pen, depending on how crowded their individual pen was.
1: Which I would say was pretty crowded.
0: But they're pretty in place. They are not vertically restricted, though.
1: Right. It's open above them, but their pens... All the way through the cabin. Little individual pens. Okay. That makes more sense, I guess. That are...
0: They are innocent here. I'm very sad.
1: Yes. These pens are also... They are custom designed for the DC-8 to fit like you would a cargo container. So they strap in. Mm-hmm. They fit modularized. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm sure that's a word.
2: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Into yeah. the DC-8. Okay. Makes sense.
1: The flight from Washington to Anchorage from Moses Lake to Anchorage, went without incident. Ah, okay. Totally fine. At Anchorage, which they arrived in the middle of the night, the airplane was due to have a crew change, refuel, and a quick maintenance inspection check by maintenance personnel at the airport, both Japan Airlines and contract, while they were on the ground. No maintenance was needed. After they did the quick walk around and the inspection of the airplane really quick, they just basically looked at all the everything outside and inside that they needed to, that they can access quickly, and found nothing with the airplane. No need to do anything maintenance-wise. It's a decent thing to check because Moses Lake is not in any way whatsoever a Japan Airlines stopover regularly. Yeah. That was why this is a charter flight, because they would not normally ever do anything from there. But Anchorage is a Japan Airlines facility because they stop over there all the time in 1977. So they still do. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: To answer anyone's question, whether or not they had them, there are not a lot of pictures of cattle pens for aircraft because most of them today are containerized
1: right yep it's true
0: so basically there's pre-built and sized containers that the cattle go in and then Mm -hmm. they are loaded very similar to containerized baggage it's something that happens nick has to deal with it sometimes whenever we get that airline a320 here 20 and
1: 21 yeah
0: so yep sorry i cannot provide any further information on that. That's okay. If you dealt with transporting cattle into 70s via aircraft, <laughs> let us know, I think.
1: Anyways, your feeling at Anchorage was normal? The accident crew at Anchorage was wakened at 3.30 a.m. local time and left the hotel by taxi around 4.30 a.m. local time. They arrived at the Japan Airlines dispatch office at around 5 a.m. This is all local time in Anchorage, mm-hmm. so early. Yes. Early. Early. (laughs) All of this is going on while the airplane is sitting on the ramp. Yeah. In Anchorage. The flight crew then arrived at the airplane at 5.15 a.m. and boarded the aircraft where the cattle handlers were still on board with the cattle, of course. 6.03 a.m. The captain and the first officer checked inputs to the INS, or the Inertial Navigation System, which is the entire system that gives the airplane an idea of where it is and where it's going.
0: We've talked about it before. I don't remember when or for what flight. I'm sorry, I have failed you.
1: To this day, airplanes still have INS, although they are automated these days. They still have to calibrate while they're sitting in one place, but they are automated. You don't have to input data anymore. Yeah. So the point is they had to input all their data into the INS to make sure the airplane knew right where it was and where it was going. Right. Before they checked the ATIS information, or Automated Terminal Information System. The ATIS information told them that, quote, the sky was partially obscured, visibility one-quarter mile, and fog, end quote. So, weather's not great, you know. Then they received their route-slash-departure clearance. At 6.09 a.m., the flight crew began the pre-start checklist. After the checklists were completed and the takeoff data was reviewed, so this is pretty normal, you talk about, like, what you're expecting to do on takeoff, after takeoff, all that. The engines were started at 6.15 a.m. The after-start checklist was then completed. The air traffic controller then gave the flight instructions to taxi to runway 2, 4 left, and the flight crew acknowledged and then began their taxi. During the taxi, the crew completed the taxi and before takeoff checklists, which included a flight control check and an extension of the flaps to 23 degrees. The captain then briefed the crew on the takeoff and abort procedures with an expected slippery runway. It is January. They're in Anchorage. It's yeah. also dark because they're in Anchorage, yep. and it's January. <laughs>
0: That's how that works, as it turns out.
1: And he didn't expect them to need to abort takeoff, because they would just be sliding right along really easily. Yep. The captain was to be the pilot flying, while the first officer was to be the pilot monitoring. The captain taxied the aircraft southeast across the ramp, past the terminal, toward runway 24 left. He then stopped the aircraft on the ramp after air traffic control instructed them to hold short of runway 24 right. Okay. These are obviously parallels right next to one another. Several communications between the flight and the air traffic controller took place at the time. The aircraft then taxied onto runway two-four right and then reported ready for takeoff. Yep, you're making the right face. That's
2: not how that works.
1: Mm-mm. The tower controller then advised the crew that they were on two-four right, which the captain contradicted.
2: So are they saying that they're on two-four left? They think they're on two-four left. The
1: captain thinks they're on two-four left.
2: Oh, and they're
1: on two-four right. They're on two-four right. The air traffic controller then gave the flight taxi instructions to get to runway 24 left instead. So the captain made a 180 degree turn on runway 24 right before turning right onto a taxiway connecting the two runways. They taxied to the approach end of runway 24 left and then again reported being ready for takeoff at 6 33 a.m. and 37 seconds. The air traffic controller cleared the flight for takeoff and the takeoff roll began at 6 34 a.m. and 32 seconds when the captain called, quote, maximum power, end quote. At 6.34 a.m. and 50 seconds, while in their takeoff roll, the captain stated, I have, quote-unquote. Two seconds later, the first officer called out 80 knots. 18 seconds later, the first officer called out V1. Six seconds later, he called out rotate, which was acknowledged by the captain, and they rotated. 6.35 a.m. and 19 and a half seconds. The captain called 10 degrees, quote-unquote. This is their pitch angle, pitch up. a.m. and 21.4 seconds. Really specific. Why they got so specific, I'm not even actually entirely sure. The first officer called V2. 6.35 a.m. and 26.2 seconds, the aircraft suddenly began buffeting. 6.35 a.m. and 32 seconds, the first officer called gear up. So now from the time that they lifted to the time of gear up has been about almost 25 seconds. One second later, the flight engineer stated, Too much speed, or too much steep. They couldn't actually determine what word he said, speed, or steep. I suspect it was steep, but not sure. Six seconds later, the flight engineer called stall, quote-unquote, simultaneous to the stick shaker activation. That was just 1.3 seconds before the aircraft struck the ground. A witness on the ground near the departure end of the runway stated that the aircraft seemed to climb off the runway to about 100 feet above ground level, before it veered to the left and then, quote, slide out of the air, end quote.
2: That's not proper English.
1: No, but... But okay. It fell from the sky.
2: Yeah, it stalled.
1: Right. The aircraft struck the ground 1,031 feet beyond the end of the runway, and 179 feet to the left of the center line. After impact with the ground, the aircraft continued to head in a southwesterly direction as it crossed the airport access road... And then struck some raised terrain, 140 feet above sea level, which was only, I think it was only like 40, 50 feet in height, this raised terrain. But anyways, they, they struck it, nose first. At which point, the aircraft broke up and caught fire. The fire destroyed most large portions of the wreckage apart from the tail and the cockpit, which separated and slid and Obviously. were yep. very heavily damaged. All five on board perished in the crash. All five people. Yep. And presumably all of the cattle... Also perished in the crash and the subsequent fire. I mean,
2: fire. if they
0: didn't, they probably just ran away.
1: Yeah, they didn't Run, find. cow! <laughs> they didn't note anything about finding any cattle. So. The report
0: said nothing about the cattle other than that they existed. We had to find another source that even told us how many there were.
1: Right. Presumably, they all perished in the crash and the fire. Yeah, I would think so. They, yeah.
0: They were penned. Right. So. They
1: weren't officially restrained. So like individually restrained or anything i'll
2: I'll talk ye cattle that. out the top
1: pretty much out the everywhere, yeah the pictures of the wreckage of this don't leave much to see of an airplane
0: have you ever seen wreckage where there's like a black imprint on the ground in the shape of a plane yeah, kind of like that it's one of those okay
1: it was not great, not good it was super heavily damaged. let me see I still have the picture here there's. You can see pretty much one distinguishable part Ah. of an airplane. Yeah. It's actually pretty miraculous that they even hit land, because the water is, like, right here.
2: Yeah, you can see the
1: coast. That's the runway. That's where they struck land. I see the tail. This is where they end. Yeah, that's the tail. tail. That's the only distinguishable thing of an airplane.
0: We're looking at the picture that's on the Wikipedia page, if you want to look at it. It's It'll also probably on be website. on the website.
1: It's yeah. a black and white photo, but to be honest, even if this was in color, it'd probably look about like that, because yep. it's snow covered. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this investigation was performed by the... NTSB? Yes. In Alaska. And both black boxes were recovered, quote-unquote, slightly sooted. Slightly. But without significant damage, and were able to be read out, given that the aircraft crashed just past the runway and it was a cargo flight, weight and balance was a concern.
2: But they flew with it to Alaska just fine, so
0: I highly doubt that. Unless they fueled it incorrectly, that weight and balance was a You're on to something. Well, is it possible for the cattle to have shifted and messed up the center of gravity? I mean,
2: it depends on how packed the pens were. I mean, if you're, the pens are locked in, the same amount of cattle are in each pen. I mean, unless they can walk a significant difference, I wouldn't think so. Essentially, you're correct.
0: And so they didn't know. So they had to go look because, you know, this thing has cargo shifting has caused stalls and crashes just after takeoff before. Please reference flight 102 in episode 32,
1: which was after this accident, but also still very is applicable. Yeah.
0: Investigators examined the holding pens and found that eight of them were torn free from the floor. Was that from impact, though, or was that from... Exactly. What was most of interest was that the damage indicated that the cattle had shifted forward and to the right rather than aft. That weight shift is more indicative of the impact forces given the aircraft's attitude at impact and does not lend to a load shift on takeoff.
2: Okay, that's what I was thinking. Like, did they pop off because, you know, the plane crashed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or did it pop off because the cattle shifted and it wasn't secured in place? The
1: first one. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: So, a stall still seemed likely, you know, since we've all guessed that at this point. What else do we know causes a stall? Aircraft configuration on takeoff is definitely a factor. I was definitely gonna- I'm like, did they have flaps? The flaps were properly extended to 23 degrees. So there goes that theory. Unfortunately, That
2: was literally going to be like my one guess was they weren't configured properly, but clearly that wasn't it.
0: Did the crew properly calculate V1, V-rotate, and V2, otherwise known as their reference speeds? How would we know if they did before the CVR is able to be read out? Actually, it's pretty easy. The crew has 3 bugs or markings on their airspeed indicators that they retrieved from the wreckage. And they reflected 134, 148 and 160 on the captain's side, that's knots by the way, and 130, 158 and 160 on the first officer's side. It's a little bit different, not wildly. Yeah. But we are working off of the first officer side since he's the one calling. Monitoring, yeah. Yeah. The investigators calculated what it would have been for 23 degrees of flaps and came out with 137, 152, and 161. So So close enough. Yeah. The only one that was off significantly would have been V1, but... They got to rotation speed just fine. Yes. The investigators analyzed the FDR of the takeoff roll and found that it did start off normally. But when accelerating from rotation speed to V2, it was a slower acceleration than normal. And the aircraft stalled at or just after V2, confirming the suspicion of a stall. They reached an altitude of 160 feet above the ground before descending at a rate of 3,000 feet per minute. The right wing dropped, matching the damage to the cattle pens, and then rolled wings level and then the nose dropped, also matching the damage to the cattle pens, just before final impact. Investigators performed a performance evaluation based on the flight data recorder and calculated that rotation probably was initiated when the first officer called V-Rotate, and the slow acceleration was from rotation to 15 degrees after liftoff, which is higher than normal.
2: Yeah, it seems like instead of having a lower pitch and accelerating to get to their altitude, Mm -hmm. they're trying to get... Higher and not have enough speed. Yeah, to well, increase
1: their pitch. But well, wait, there's more.
0: <laughs> the performance deteriorated and it worsened when the angle of attack increased to 18 degrees. But that's not quite steep enough to cause a stall in normal conditions. But what can lower the stall angle of attack? In Alaska.
2: Ice. Yeah. They didn't get de-iced, the did they? No. Oh. Well.
0: It was found that engine anti-icing was on- but there was nothing to indicate that airframe anti-icing was on. Well, there you go. But wait, you think I'm done?
1: There's a lot more.
0: (laughs) You might recall that this captain has over 23,000 flight hours. Yeah. Yeah. How would he make the stupid mistake of not turning on anti-icing and then rotating too steeply? Okay, but considering what we heard
2: from the captain, the fact that he was on the wrong runway, first of all, Second of all, at the beginning, he was like, he didn't even finish a sentence. Like, I feel like he's just really, really tired, and he's not paying attention. You are onto something.
0: <sighs> Commence Miranda rage warning. Investigators interviewed 13 separate people who had been in contact with the captain in the day leading up to the accident, and oh boy, did they find the mother load. Of those 13, five close acquaintances said that he showed no signs of drinking or that he had not had a drink in their presence. Six, who were not closely acquainted, said that he had been drinking or showed signs of being under the influence within 12 hours before the flight. So, conflicting evidence. How can we solve that one? Well, let's just, uh... Take a piece of him and test it. Yep!
2: Yep! Yep. That
0: sounds horrible, but that's the only way to know for sure. I I don't know the exact state of his body, but they did get a blood alcohol content, so I'm assuming it was less fragmented than previous ones we've covered, and they were able to draw blood?
2: Well the, In the past, cockpit wasn't as damaged.
0: In the past, when we've talked about blood alcohol content, it was fragmented. In this case, it sounds like they actually just drew blood and vitreous fluid. Okay. So that's good news. You know what's not good news? Uh, he was drunk, huh? In the state of Alaska, 0.10 was considered legally intoxicated.
2: The, nas- the one that's nationally given is 0.08.
0: Yes, the National Safety Council Committee on Alcohol and Drugs determined that a blood alcohol content of 0.18 to 0.30 would result in mental confusion, disorientation, dizziness, exaggerated emotional state, disturbance of sensation, impaired perception of color, form, motion and dimensions, decreased pain sense, impaired balance, muscular incoordination, staggering gait and slurred speech. If you ever had that drunken college night you experienced all of these things.
1: And that's like that's pretty that's super drunk. That's like almost blackout drunk.
0: The captain's initial BAC was 0.298. What the hell? And that was tested within 12 hours of the accident. Further tests at the Civil Aeromedical Institute found a BAC of 0.21. So not only was he intoxicated, he was the drunk drunk. Oh. He was like, I can't Way see it in front
2: of my face kind of drunk, which makes me surprised he was able to do a 180 in an aircraft <laughs> considering he was that drunk.
1: A lot of the questions start coming up. How are you there? Also,
0: like, well, he got there at a taxi, so that's part of it. Let's talk about that taxi driver real quick, actually. Okay.
1: They took a taxi from the hotel. Hotel, yeah.
0: And they interviewed the taxi driver. They, I don't know their gender, so they, reported that the captain exhibited mental confusion, dizziness, impaired balance, muscular incoordination, staggering gait, and slurred speech, like half the things I mentioned earlier.
1: Uh, He's drunk. uh,
0: Okay, but
2: (laughs) but here's my confusion. Why didn't the first officer or the what, fly- did did you say? Did let
0: me get there. I'm not there yet. <laughs> I knew you'd bring that up at I was some like, point. like wait a minute. There's two other people. Why I did kn- this not come I, I still I, I still I still have like a whole paragraph to go. It is
1: there just <sighs> I knew you'd bring that up at some point and it's a very good point. Keep that put a pin in it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because yes, you're right.
0: So the slurred speech and confusion were also very heavily reflected on the CBR and he became disoriented while taxiing as you may have uh, noticed. And went to the wrong runway. He was on the wrong what? runway. What?
1: <laughs> you know. Yep.
0: The following actions were attributed to his intoxication. Getting lost while taxiing, initially selecting the wrong runway for takeoff, faster than normal rotation, rotation to a higher than normal pitch attitude, failure to recognize aircraft buffeting as a stall, and failure to take corrective action during the stall.
2: Not that I think there's much he could have done. I'm surprised he was even able to start the aircraft. <laughs> like, honestly, though, because when you're that drunk, yeah. you, I mean- I, yep. It surprises me people can even get in their car and turn the key. when they're. Know, the last right. time Miranda got that drunk, she just passed out. <laughs> I probably wasn't even that drunk, too. No, I was, probably not to at that fair, level, no. I was
1: drunk, but I wasn't that drunk. Yeah, that was... Ooh, that is heavily, 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 heavily drunk.
0: Investigators weren't finished, though. Perhaps the more concerning aspect was the lack of action from other crew members. The first and second officers had to have been aware of the captain's drinking between the hotel and the airport and seeing him, and they obviously saw his exhibition of drunken behavior. Why did they not stop him from flying? As we have discussed before, it is extremely difficult for crew members to challenge a captain, causing them to react indifferently rather than in a more assertive manner. When was this again? January of 1977? Yep. So right before before Tenerife.
2: Tenerife.
0: But I would still feel like your life is at
2: risk here, right? hmm And if you, it's like if you wouldn't let your friend drive drunk. Nope. So nope. why would you let someone fly a plane drunk?
0: Now, one aspect that I'm speculating here, this was not in the report. This is purely my own thoughts and perspectives on this. They did not address any form of racial disparity
2: I don't know. And maybe that was part of it, but I I have a f- I mean, I don't know. It might be a contributory factor to it, but I mean, Japan Airlines is a Japan airline.
0: Yes. In traditional Asian cultures, I'm very hesitant to word it this way. Respect for authority is very ingrained in their culture. Yes. This is true. I just feel like and this is back when captain's word was law. But it, I know, I know I'm sorry, it's still,
2: like, I bring up the point of, like, you wouldn't get in a car and have someone drunk drive you, right? So why would you get in an airplane and have someone who's clearly intoxicated fly the plane?
0: And we are of a much more assertive culture where we're willing to do that. This is a different time. They have a different culture. I'm not going to try to understand the exact incident. Yes, you are correct. If it was me sitting in that cockpit, I would be absolutely not allowing this.
1: The first officer and the flight engineer are both roughly 20 years younger than him and have so many less hours they also don't speak the same language they have aviation english but the first officer and the flight engineer's primary language is japanese and they weren't perfect with english by any means
2: i feel like though and like i said i realize it's a different time and whatever but my brain goes to i wouldn't get on the plane
0: Right. Like it's either. not it's
2: not just the fact that I wouldn't let him fly. I wouldn't get on it. Like yeah. I'm not going to be flying this plane if You're going to crash it. Yeah, if he's going to be flying because he's clearly drunk and they can't, he can't fly it on his own. That's most likely against company policy. So my whole point being is, I can't say they clearly knew, but it was pretty apparent Uh, by the way he was uh, acting. It was
1: probably very clear.
2: That he was very drunk and it just surprises me that they were just okay to get in that cockpit with him. Yep. Is all I'm saying.
0: The safety board reiterated once more that the second-in-command flight crew members are an integral fail-safe in sharing the duty and responsibility to ensure the safety of each flight. They should not passively condone any operation that might compromise safety. Nothing on the CVR showed any concern from either of the secondary crew members regarding the captain's obvious intoxication. They never said anything.
1: Right. I don't know if maybe the first officer just assumed, well, I'll just fly the plane when he can't.
0: But that's not... But it
1: didn't work.
2: I, I especially and I I realize this is like before serum right so he can't just say my aircraft and fly the aircraft I understand that but also I have I don't know
0: it's and it's, it's not a just rough situation but you this know is
2: what's weird too, though It's like they've had to go through the airport to get to this plane there had to be other people that they passed along the way for them to get to this airplane and
1: they no did. one
0: said anything the Everyone maintenance was just okay
1: and actually they did say something this is the fun part I don't know how much you
0: I have nothing more.
1: Okay, the taxi driver reported it to their company, like to the lead at their company, about this pilot, and the company contacted Japan Airlines Dispatch at Anchorage. The dispatcher said that they figured the ops agents and the other flight crew members would stop him if they thought it was bad enough. No, no. No. Right. No. They then asked the maintenance personnel who were there, who had interacted with the flight crew, the maintenance personnel that did the inspection check. Yeah. And they said, yeah, he seemed a little intoxicated, but it wasn't like, he didn't really seem out of it that much. They didn't think he was like that. But he
2: shouldn't have been drinking at all. If he seemed a little intoxicated, he shouldn't be flying.
1: Right. And so they figured that if it was bad enough, the other flight crew would stop him.
2: See, because that's just like a lot of people being complacent about it it is it's very
0: it's a lot
2: of bystander effect actually oh someone else will handle it right really japan airlines should have been like okay we'll make sure he doesn't get on the airplane obviously he can't and they would have had to call in someone to fly i'm sure and that flight would have been delayed and there's a whole bunch of issues with that but here's the thing would you rather have an airplane right or not have an airplane because now you don't have an airplane Right. And a bunch of people are dead and a bunch of cattle are dead. And I'm assuming someone paid for the cattle. So... Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you have to take into consideration. I'm sure at some point someone was like, uh, eh, this plane needs to get there on time and, and whatever, whatever, whatever. Right? That's right. We always say, but it's like, have it get there on time with someone who's flying intoxicated. Yep. Or wait and make sure that it gets there safely rather than it having a problem.
1: Right. No, it's true. And I mean, it just... It is kind of astonishing how many people clearly saw this person.
2: In talk, like, clearly intoxicated. Yeah. Even just a little intoxicated.
1: Right. And didn't...
2: Didn't do anything. Didn't stop him. I mean, I don't know. It's very, very, very strange to me that everyone was just like, yeah. Yep. yep. That's it. He was drunk. I'm like, then don't let him on the aircraft. Right. Then don't have him fly. I don't know. Yep. Ah. <sighs> I don't care how many hours that he has. Clearly he's stupid enough to get drunk before he gets <laughs> on an aircraft. Yep. Okay.
1: Well. We're going to take a break. We're going to take a break, <laughs> and then we're going to do the second half. Yeah.
0: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey. <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
1: Restate what you said again now that we're back.
0: What did I say?
1: <laughs> you said oh, we were talking we about were talking, stating the obvious. We were
0: talking oh. about how the recommendations, I read ahead. They don't mention any of what you think. But we... No.
2: We said that it probably wouldn't because it was probably already a law at that point that you shouldn't, or at least in regulations, that you shouldn't be. And a big
1: part of that is like, just don't, don't, just stating, that like, it feels like it's stating the obvious, right? Like, if they put a recommendation and they're like, really, truly, like, stop somebody if they're intoxicated, it seems like that's obvious, no, right? Duh. Yeah. But again, like, okay, Cessna thought that that was also obvious. And if you know anything about Cessna's history, there was a lawsuit in Cessna's history where a owner, an aircraft owner, took his Cessna drunk and crashed and died. He crashed into a building. Died. This was many decades ago. The family sued Cessna, stating that there was nothing in the airplane that said he couldn't fly drunk. Even though it is technically federally illegal. And they lost. Well, Cessna yeah, lost. No- Cessna lost. How? Because there was no placard and there was nothing. It's
0: like the people that spell hot coffee on themselves. Okay, listen. No, that was a legit lawsuit. I stand by everything that happened in that lawsuit, and that's an entirely separate conversation. Or, like, not
2: putting a bag over your head. Like, come on. Yes. Not eating Tide Pods. Yes. Simple Like, hello?
1: Yep. Common sense. Cessna lost because there was no placard and it wasn't in the manual.
2: Well, it's not placard inside your vehicle, but you're not supposed to drive drunk either. Right. Could you sue
1: the car company and be like, there's nothing that says I can't drive drunk. It's illegal. It's in your manual. It is. It's in your car manual. Look it up. It's It's ridiculous. The kinds of things that, but I mean, you think stating the obvious, but again, legally, you have to put these things somewhere because it matters, right? Well, anyways, let's get into the findings, the probable cause, and the recommendations. For the findings, I am reading all 11 of them because they are nice and short and to the point.
2: And they're 11.
1: <laughs> and there's only 11 <laughs> of them. Instead
2: of, like, 52. <laughs> right,
1: there's only 11 of them. And they really are short and concise to the point, and they actually skipped all of the ones that normally don't need said. They found that the icing that accumulated on the airfoil significantly affected the performance of the aircraft. Yep, there was icing, and it really did... Affect the aircraft, and they chose not to use the deicing. They found that the cattle remained constrained by the pens, and there was no evidence of pre-impact failure of the pens. So basically, proving again, there's no again, shifting. Yeah, proving again, there wasn't. Yeah, shifting it wasn't of the, the pens.
2: cattle.
1: Right. They found that the weight and balance were within limits, and the aircraft was properly trimmed for takeoff. They had actually configured the aircraft for takeoff correctly, except for the deicing of the airframe. That's kind of a big one. They found that the performance of the aircraft was normal until rotation was begun and that after liftoff, the aircraft was over-rotated to an angle of attack exceeding that required to stall the wing with the existing accretion of ice. Because there was ice, normally 18 degrees wouldn't be too much for the airplane, although it's not great. They yeah. should be at 10 degrees, which is why the captain called for that, and then he just kind of kept pulling back a little bit. But they were also covered in ice, so the wing stalled. Yep. And they fell. They found that because of the high-pitch attitude, the aircraft accelerated to V2 at a slower-than-normal rate. And I kind of wanted to bring that up in the story, and maybe some of you caught it. Yeah. But the time between Rotate and V2, which in most aircraft, they are nearly simultaneous, Rotate and V2, in this case, were like eight seconds apart. Which is strange. It's That's massive for most aircraft. That is huge. They found that the aircraft was rotated to an angle of attack of about 18 degrees after the stall began. So they were already stalling when they got to the 18-degree pitch angle. Or angle of attack, I should say. Which is two different things. They found that the aircraft reached a maximum altitude of about 160 feet above the ground and began a descent that averaged about 3,000 foot per minute to impact, which is huge! (laughs) I mean, there have been, of course, aircraft that impact much harder than that. Yes. Than 3,000 foot per minute. But 3,000 foot per minute, we're talking about aircraft normally touch down at a rate of about 10 feet per minute. They descend at like 1,500 feet per minute, but then they should flare and come to rest on the runway at about 10 feet per minute. That's it. Hmm. So they touch down very lightly. That's an ideal. Most of the time they touch down in the range of like 100 feet per minute. <laughs> and that's pretty normal and kind of heavy. 3,000 feet per minute is obviously aircraft destroying.
0: No, really? Yeah. sorry
2: (laughs) Uh, yeah obviously yes
1: the thing of note there is that the aircraft actually managed to reach 160 feet above ground level the witness called 100 feet which is actually I mean that means their eyeball was not terribly far off but 160 feet there were another 60% 60 off (laughs) well but again it could have been like a thousand feet I mean I hear people say all the time it was like 100 feet over my head no it was 500 feet over your head quit exaggerating Bilbo
0: (laughs) You clearly don't know what a am <laughs> like. What do you have against Bilbo Baggins?
1: I don't know. First name that came to mind. <laughs> Billy would, Joe Bob? What do you want me to say?
0: I, w- I would understand Billy Bob Joe. Okay. Not Bilbo. Anyway.
1: Anyways. They found that the performance of the aircraft was a result of the misuse of the flight controls by the captain aggravated by the existence of airframe icing. The really bad performance of the aircraft was just obviously hindered by the way that he was drunkenly handling it. With the ice, of course. They found that the captain was under the influence of alcohol and was not physically or mentally capable of conducting the flight. No, duh. <laughs> he was way past the limit. Way past the limit.
0: He was like
2: triple today's legal limit. Oh, yeah. He was like my brother when he was still drinking, kind of limit.
1: Yeah, it was bad. It's bad. Real bad. Real bad. They found that the other crew members must have been aware of this condition, but took no effective action to prevent the captain from initiating the flight. Again, they figured that the other crew members must have known, but just didn't Didn't do anything. anything Which I
0: can't, it's hard to fathom, as we discussed.
1: Right. And that is all of the findings. That is all 11 of them.
0: And for your probable cause, verbatim, as always. The National Transportation Safety Board determines that the probable cause of the accident was a stall that resulted from the pilot's control inputs aggravated by airframe icing while the pilot was under the influence of alcohol. Contributing to the cause of this accident was the failure of the other flight crew members to prevent the captain from attempting the flight.
1: Really concise and to the point. And Thank I agree. You. And I agree completely with all of that. Yeah.
0: Now for the weird recommendations.
1: There are a whopping two of them. They recommend that as a result of this accident and a second accident, of which is Air Trine Corp. It's written really... a
0: Convair 800 in Miami.
1: It's written really poorly.
0: Like a month prior.
1: Yeah. A cargo of live cattle, the safety board forwarded two recommendations to the FAA. The board recommended that the FAA establish criteria for the design, installation, and use of livestock restraining systems, and that the FAA conduct an engineering analysis to determine the adequacy of existing livestock restraining systems. What did that have to do with anything?
0: nothing (laughs) nothing
1: nothing that did not affect this at all
0: no but it makes sense that now they are containerized
1: right and at the time they were like well we're gonna take advantage of this
0: (laughs) i'm not saying i'm not saying that this had anything to do with it but we are gonna just recommend this real quick that uh maybe we should have a more official safe designed engineered way of doing this rather than just billy bob joe went and drilled in some pens for these
1: cows right yep Makeshift pens. Anyways, continuing. The other one, the other recommendation, they recommend that the FAA replied that they... Sorry, this was just a... No, no, this isn't even another recommendation. This is just a continuation. The FAA replied that they would reuse an FAA... Reissue. sorry, an FAA order which would establish the criteria for the design, installation, and use of livestock restrained systems, and that they were auditing engineering approvals of livestock restraining systems. So, again, this is just like the FAA saying, oh, no, we're already working on that. But... All of this to say they did nothing about the drunken pilot. And that was primarily because it already was there. The airline had policies against it. Both countries had policies against it. There were probably policies for reporting drunken pilots and stopping them. And that's just, it wasn't done. They didn't do any of that. None of that. They didn't do anything with that. And the icing thing, what can you really do about it? The aircraft was built with the systems. It was part of the checklist and the captain just chose to ignore it in a drunken fit. (laughs) Yeah. So that's the whole thing. And it's a little bit frustrating because what do you do in that situation? I mean, really, it came down to the first officer and flight engineer primary officer. Yeah. The second officer, you can say not stopping them. Yeah. Yeah. Or anybody else really But it's not their
2: job. Like, that's what I'm trying to say, is it shouldn't be their job to have to stop. Because, like I said, there were multiple people up until then, besides them, that could have kept this from happening. But
1: they are the other authority in the cockpit. And, yeah, CRM didn't exist. But at the same time, it's still their job to have safety of flight. And they didn't. So, I don't know. It just, it's all a bit bizarre. And that's why there's no recommendations on How to change that because already everything was already really in place to stop this. It just became a decision by somebody not to. And so, how do you really fix that, right? So, ultimately, these days, like things are just so much more strict and pilots are so much more aware. And especially, crew resource management coming along, like really just fixed that because people were just so much more willing to say no. And there are plenty of instances where drunken captains showed up and were told, You are not flying, and you're fired, and you're fired. This has happened in very recent history. Look it up. I mean, there was a JetBlue pilot just a couple of years ago. This happened too. Anyways, you That's, had it. Yep. yep. Sorry, I'm like you had a look on your face.
2: Um, I'll talk about it in the post episode. Okay. Uh, thank you for listening. That was Japan Airlines. I don't know the flight. Name. I know <laughs> Japan Airlines cargo flight 10:45. Okay. Yep. I don't even know if we even said it, it was flight 10:45. We
1: did. I said it at the very beginning, but.
2: I feel like all we talked about was that it was a cargo flight. I
1: know, because the flight number really didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it's not of consequence at all. Yeah.
2: So, thank you for listening. As always, check out the Patreon stuff. Because, you know, we put a lot of effort into that stuff that goes on Patreon, too. And you get special
0: episodes from me once a month. And you get discount codes on the merch store. And segue... go.
2: Segu- You should check out the merch page.
0: Okay, that one worked a little bit better. That's because I knew
2: it was a segue.
0: (laughs) The other one I didn't know. (laughs) I made it deliberately more clear. (laughs) I
2: had no idea we were covering a Japan Airlines flight today, so. That's okay. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Also, make sure you submit your stories and requests and all stuff like that. Do we have listener questions? Oh, we might. Let me check.
1: Did we have listener questions we never answered?
2: Maybe. Yes, we do. I feel like we, we never, I we like didn't we never do did. It. <laughs> I
1: feel like we never did those. No,
2: we did. Yeah. No, we fed up. Um,
1: <laughs> Good. We have time to kill because this is a very short second
2: half. Okay. okay. We have one from our friend Kaylin. Ooh. Hi, Kaylin. From high school. Yeah. And she says We have heard the silly way you say names of states, but how do you say the others? You should go through a list. Okay, hold Oh, on. God. We can.
1: We're doing that now? Okay, 50 of them? All right, let's All go. Fi-
2: okay, wait. All of us have to pull up. Wait, 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 wait. I know them in order, but I have to do oh, them in order. are tonight. we
1: doing alphabetical order?
2: Alabama. Wait, wait, be- wait, 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 wait. States, states. Okay, wait. States in alphabetical order. Okay.
0: Alabama. I know people call it Bama.
2: No, we say Alabama. Alerska. Alerska. Arizona.
0: Our Kansas. <laughs> I don't think we have a one for California. California.
1: <laughs> California?
0: California. 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 No, none of those feel right.
1: people use that. I don't know. No, there's not really one for that one.
0: Colorado is it's where we're from, so it doesn't get a weird name. Yeah. Colorado. Delaware. So what about Connecticut? Oh, sorry. I, <laughs> you, you have
1: one. Yeah, yours is Connecticut.
0: Connecticut. It yeah. is Connecticut because Connecticut. that is how you spell it. Connecticut. Delaware doesn't get
1: one. It doesn't? Delaware. <laughs> Delaware. Delaware. <laughs>
2: we have been to Delaware. Briefly. Very briefly. We drove through it for like 20 minutes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Florida. We, there's the obvious Florida. Florida. <laughs> or Florida. Georgia
2: Georgia. Georgia.
1: Georgia. Georgia.
2: Hawaii. Hawaii.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. That's just actually how you say that it. Is that is actually right? how you say it. Yeah, yeah. We're not, we're not going to desecrate that. Idaho? No, Utah. No, Udaho. Idaho. <laughs> Idaho. No, Udaho. No, Udaho.
1: Illinois. Illinois. Is. This is obvious. Illinois. And the Noa. French. Illinois.
2: Indy. Yeah.
1: Indy. Uh, but that's Indy. what everybody in Indy, well, that's what Indianapolis goes by is Indy. Indiana. 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 Iowa. <laughs> <Kansaw. laughs> Kansas.
2: Kansas. Arkansas and Kansas. Kansas. <laughs> Kentucky. 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 Louisiana. Louisiana. <laughs> Maine is just Maine. I don't know. How, Merne. Merne.
1: <laughs> Merne.
0: <laughs> Merland. 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 Massachusetts? Merland. Massachusetts. Massachusetts.
1: Yeah, that's the obvious.
0: <laughs> Michigan. Minnesota.
2: Minnesota.
1: Minnesota. Minnesota.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Pippi. Mrs. Pippi. Mrs. Pippi. Mrs. Pippi. Missouri. 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 <laughs> Montana. Montana. Naberska. Naberska. Nebraska, <laughs> Nebraska, Nevada, <Navverda>. Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> There's no R in Nevada, by the way, but we add it. Nevada,
1: New
0: Hampshire. The, the V becomes an R. Yeah, it does.
1: Nevada, Never. Navurta. 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 New Hampshire, New Hampshire,
0: Joyzy,
2: Joyzy, Joyzy, New Mexico, New Mexico. Mexico, Mexico, New Mexico, New York, New York. New York. <laughs> New York. North Carolina,
1: North Carolina,
0: <laughs> North Carolina, North Dakota, North Dakota, North Dakota. North Dakota. Oh Ohio. Oh, okay, so there's a joke with this one. If you haven't seen The King and I, mm-hmm. first of all, it is racist. Very, but Very. It's, a, <laughs> it's a good show. Um, I've never actually seen it, but I was—I played under it, which is what it means when yeah. you're in the pit orchestra. Yeah, you're in the pit orchestra, I've, and I've seen it in the middle of the musical. They put on like a little ballet of Uncle Tom's Cabin. Yeah. Which is the book that Harriet Beecher Stowe wrote. Yeah. And it inspired one of the slaves in the musical to like break free of bondage and go run away with her lover and all that. So she put on this ballet. Mm -hmm. And so she's telling the story She's narrating the story with the ballet Of how these slaves escaped to Ohio But she doesn't speak very good English And she learned how to read on her own So she says Ohio Right So that's the background of that Because I know that was like No one was going to know that
1: Ready Oklahoma
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oregano 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 I just remember I said that when your dad was here and he gave me the worst. He gave me the worst death. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, excuse me. <laughs> he
1: used to call it oregano. He's one to talk.
2: Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania.
1: Pennsylvania. Because the V
2: becomes an R. <laughs> <laughs> no, Pennsylvania.
1: Pennsylvania. Yeah,
2: Pennsylvania. there's no L. I know. I have. The people from Pennsylvania say it that way. Pennsylvania.
0: Pennsylvania. Rhode,
2: Rhode-, Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. Rhode Island. South Carolina.
1: South Carolina.
0: South Dakota. South Dakota.
2: Dakota. Tennessee.
1: Tennessee. 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 Texas. Texas. Yep. <laughs> because it smells like... Utah. Utah.
2: Utah. Vermont.
1: Vermont. 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 Oh, God. <laughs> Virginia. Do I have to... S- Virginia? Virginia. <laughs> That's what a lot of people... Okay, anyway.
0: Washington. 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 <laughs> Fun fact,
2: there's an R and wash.
1: Apparently, Washington. Washington. I'm going
0: to go wash my laundry.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say Thank it. I'm not going to say it. Thank
0: you, West Virginia. West, West Virginia. Virginia. Wisconsin. <laughs> I hate you all. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Wyoming. Why are you going? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: it's because nobody goes to Wyoming. Wyoming. There you go. That was a good one, Kayla. Okay, cool. I enjoy nice. that.
1: There was another one though, right? There's another. There's oh, there's more. more. So oh, there's boy. one
2: from our friend, the Turbo the Trucker, a.k.a. Ah. Andrew. Hello, Turbo. He goes, hey guys, I finally caught up to you guys and heard the episode where you read my question in cool. response to Al's question about trucker hours of service. From what I've gathered from your show, it's actually close to pilots. Here's the basic Probably. breakdown. There are some exceptions, but these are the basics. 70-hour work week. That's a long work week. That is a lot. 14 hours on the clock each day. 11 hours of drive time each day. 10-hour minimum off-duty between shifts, which you need to sleep, hopefully. Unless you're short-haul exempt, you must take a minimum half-hour lunch within eight hours of the start and end of your shift, so you can't work 13.5 hours and then take a lunch, for example. If I were to work seven days straight, but still be under the 70 hours on the first day of the next week, the only hours from the first day of the previous week are added onto my clock. So you have to make up the hours then. Right. As what I'm trying, I'm guessing that means. I guess. If I'm off the clock for 30 hours straight, there is a complete reset and everything goes back to zero.
1: Ooh, that's weird.
2: Hope that helps. Wings up, wheels down, turbo the trucker. Dang, actually, it, it kind of does. That is
1: really interesting. It actually. is really
2: interesting.
0: And it is not terribly,
1: well, I mean, I shouldn't the say The
0: 70-hour work week?
1: Yeah, most pilots are guaranteed 70 hours a month as their minimum pay, and basically they have to get to that point. Like, that's their salary, and then they have to get to that point, and anything beyond that becomes extra. And what's
0: nice. duty most, time?
1: Most pilots are doing more than that right now.
0: What's max duty time?
1: Max duty time is 14 hours.
0: Okay.
1: However, that is not... Max flying time, which is eight, most of the time.
0: Well, because at that point
2: you start getting tired, right? And you really should have relief crew, right?
1: Well, and the the reason they they a lot of duty time versus flight time, and people might get confused by that. But duty time is literally the amount of you're time you're on duty. You are at the airport, like
2: doing checks, checking in, all, all that the way stuff. till the time you yeah.
1: hit the bus to go to the hotel. Yeah. And actually, crew rest time usually starts from time you are in your room.
0: Yeah, but you do not get paid for your duty time.
1: You do not. Correct. You only get paid for the flight time, and the flight time can be up to eight hours a day. So that means you may do hops from one city to another, to another, to another, and you may total up to eight hours within your 14-hour duty time. Yeah. So that downtime between flights is still part of your 14-hour duty time. You don't get paid for it as part of your eight-hour flight time. It is so, garbage. Yeah,
2: but it's like most people work eight-hour days. They don't want pilots working more than eight-hour days.
1: Right. They don't want them like working, of actual work, actual flying time. Yeah. Yeah. But this is kind of a loose thing, and the unions had to uh, agree on all this too. It's a hard thing. The FAA has that, and it's this is a, it, it's kind of a weird thing to have to calculate. But sometimes you might have more than eight hours allotted, like like. With a crew, they might not be anywhere near their eight hours, but their 14 hour day duty time might actually hit before they hit eight hours flight time. If, and especially this happens in the regional carriers where they're doing little hops and then they're on the ground for 30, 40 minutes an hour at a time, and they're not accruing flight time, then suddenly you kill 14 hours between little 30 minute, 40 minute hops really quickly and you don't get to your actual full eight hours in a day. Which that, sucks. That happens. And they have to account for this, too, should an airplane, say, start taking delays because of a maintenance issue or something. They're not going to go over the eight hours flight time, obviously, but they are going to go, go over, over their 14-hour duty, 14 time. Hour duty yeah. time. And so... That's
2: why some crews time out.
1: Right. That's why crews time out. This happens, actually, really, unfortunately, to my airline. Quite often. A bit. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Kids are busy right now.
2: So the next thing is from David. It's about the Ethiopian ditching. Ooh. And
0: I, I have it copy and pasted to be more readable. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, you can. The Rat. It seems to me yeah. the only purpose the rat serves is to allow the crew to crash in a more convenient place to recover the bodies. Pretty much. If excess weight and a lack of space within the aircraft are obstacles, then eliminate a row or two of coach seats and use the gain in space and wait for a better system.
1: I can agree with that. And what a lot of airlines actually did in place of that is they moved the aft firewall forward to allow for more systems in some aircraft. Hmm. So there's actually a lot of space behind the aft firewall or the aft bulkhead. And because of that, they're able to do a lot more with that area that can provide them more power, provide them more systems, more batteries, whatever they need, because typically aircraft, you're going to want that weight in the rear anyways. So that's why like on the A350, if you look at it, actually, it has a really large rear end behind the last door because they're able to put a lot more in there.
0: Hmm. Makes sense hmm Regarding the Ethiopian airliner attempted ditching, that poor pilot was trying to put down a much larger plane than an A320 in the open yep, ocean. that is true. Versus a comparatively calm rover that Sullenberger and crew were fortunate to have. Not to take anything away from Sullenberger, that was a damn fine skill and experience to make that ditching successful. I just wonder what the outcome might have been if roles were reversed.
1: And I agree with that. I think it's interesting to think about. And I think there's a lot to that. I think that it is a really tough thing that they pulled off and, and, and i never said in any way whatsoever that they made a mistake to be honest in ditching that airplane because they did a phenomenal job again this is still considered
0: people lived
1: pretty miraculous because people lived and they pretty much proved that you could actually land a large wide body in the water and a lot of and the, it be survivable
0: and a lot of the deaths weren't the crew's fault
1: right it ultimately was <laughs> the drowning problem which is unfortunate
0: The hijackers in the Ethiopian fiasco are the very definition of the Kruger-Dunning effect. People are too stupid to understand how stupid they are. Yep. It's a shame that people that dumb have to take others with them on their journey of discovery.
1: That is true.
0: Well, okay then. All right. Well, there's our listener comments, questions, concerns, thoughts, feelings, ideas, perspectives.
2: Thank you for the questions. Thank you for the
1: comments. Thank you for everything.
2: Sorry. That we took so long to answer them. Yes. Because we're dumb and kept forgetting that we had to answer them.
1: But actually, this was the perfect episode to do it because the second half was so short. Yes.
2: <laughs> so thank you so much. I mean, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to put those in the There's a listener question tab on the website that you can go to and fill out a form. And so.
0: uh, clearly, they don't have to be aviation related. Thank nope. you, Kayla. No. Thank <laughs>
2: you. Appreciate that. We hope you have a safe and healthy week. And we'll catch you all next week.
0: Keep, Keep your, your speed, speed up.